Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. I think the verse was starting with, I don't have it written down, but I think it was Hosea, was it Hosea 4.6 or Hosea 6.4, if we could put that verse. There we go. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, because you chose, it's not because you didn't know, it's because you chose to reject knowledge. So you know what's going on, but you reject knowledge. I will also reject you. That you may know, that you may, I assume that means not, that you may not be a priest to me because you have forgotten your God's laws, I will also forget your children. Let's leave that up there for a second. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you give me wisdom. I pray that you use me to speak your word and to bring a message. And I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive it and to understand it, that we might be your people. Amen. Amen. So let's... This says my people. It's not talking about the world here. It's not talking about non-Christians. It says my people are destroyed, which is a very strong word. Not many words are stronger than God saying my people are destroyed. And then he tells us why. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so guess so obviously as a Christian it's important that we seek knowledge. I'm going to say that again because it's not one of the things that is common in Christianity. As a Christian, it's important that we seek knowledge. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge means you had the option to choose. Knowledge was brought to you. Knowledge was put before you and you have rejected it. I will also reject you. So when you reject knowledge, and that's why Pastor Joaquin said, I warn you, once you know something, once God, God says, the Bible says that God overlooked the days of ignorance. God overlooks or overlooked the days of ignorance. But once he brings the truth to you, once he brings knowledge to you, then it says, if you reject knowledge, I will also reject you. And you will no longer be a priest to me. You will no longer be my people. So you can be God's people. And if you choose to reject knowledge, God says he rejects you and you're no longer going to be able to serve him. Why? Because you have forgotten my law. And he says, because you forgot my law, I will also forget your children. So these are some very sobering words and we don't want to be there. So, and this word applies this as an introduction for tonight, and it's also a good foundation for us to understand, and this is why the Bible talks about having the fear of the Lord, because the Lord is wonderful, the Lord is marvelous, the Lord is gracious, the Lord is merciful, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and so that's Hosea 4.6, and let's go to Proverbs 4.7 as another introductory verse wisdom is supreme get wisdom there's a another translation that says in all you're getting yet here it says yes though it cost you 
all your possessions. Get understanding. So we chase, how many of us chase possessions? There's a translation that says, in all you're getting, get wisdom and get understanding. So we do a lot of getting in our life. If you live to be 75, 85, now with modern health, healthcare, medicine, maybe 90 plus, you know, some of you guys are going to, most of us will outlive our retirement, right? 90 plus. We do a lot of getting in those years. And we spend a lot of time trying to get. And it says, in all you're getting, get wisdom and get understanding. And it says, though it costs you all your possessions, get understanding and get wisdom. And so tonight we want to get an understanding about Halloween. Um, Halloween is somewhat of a controversial topic in Christianity. If we can, if we can call up the, uh, the PowerPoint, switch to the PowerPoint. Halloween is somewhat of a controversial topic because the attitudes in Christianity towards Halloween are very diverse. We have many of the traditional churches, the Anglican Church, the Catholic Church, um, the Episcopal Church. I'm not even sure what the overlap is between Anglican and Episcopal. But in the, in, in, in the traditional churches, um, the emphasis on Halloween is on a day that they call All Saints Day or a day that they call All Hallows Eve. So in Christianity, typically, whatever day, the day they start counting it from the night before. So, so Christmas is when Jesus was born, but we start celebrating on Christmas Eve, the night before. And so the tradition, uh, a lot of the traditional churches have a day called All Hallows Eve, which is the evening before All Saints Day, which is on November 1st. And so that's the emphasis that some churches place on it. Other churches celebrate Hallows Eve as a day to remember the Protestant Reformation. So we talk about Protestants and we talk about born-again Christians and, and, and if we talk about the traditional church and ev evangelical churches. So if the traditional church is celebrating All Hallows Eve, many Protestant churches celebrate the Protestant Reformation. Now what is, does anybody know what does Halloween have to do with the Protestant Reformation? I thought maybe some Westwood alumni might know. I didn't know until I read it today in Wikipedia. Martin Luther King nailed his 95 theses to the church on All, on All Hallows Eve. And the reason he did this was because that was a day when hundreds, is it hundreds or thousands? It says hundreds. Hundreds of visitors would come to the church on this celebration for Hallows Eve. And so on, All, on Hallows Eve, he nailed 99 theses which established uh, the, the Protestant Reformation and, and the, the church. So many Protestants celebrate and emphasize Halloween as uh, the, the celebration of the Protestant Reformation. Other churches view, the, view it as just a fun day where kids can have candy, they can dress up like ghosts, church can raise some money, sell some pumpkins, and everybody has fun, and everybody gets outdoors, and we enjoy the weather, and it's not really a big deal. It's just kind of like a fun event. Some evangelical churches, and you see this around town a lot, 
they use Halloween. Everybody gets into Halloween, right? So the Christian churches do, and some of you guys have even been to some of these, they do hell houses where they create something like a haunted house, but the concept is that you're going through hell, and the idea is to scare the hell out of you, literally. They want to they confront you with the fact that one day you're going to die. They want to confront you with the fact that one day you're going to be judged, that our life will end. The Bible says that better is the house of mourning than the house of feasting. What? Better is the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Because there, men call to mind, they're reminded of their end. So we think, you know, we want to party and we want to have a good time. But, the, but God says it's better when you're in times of mourning. Because you're reminded of how short life is. And that helps you prioritize your what you do with the rest of your days. How many of you guys weren't really into your priorities when things are good? When things are good, you're celebrating, right? That's not the way it ought to be. That's not what Christ teaches us. But when we're, but what we see in human nature is that when things are good, we're not really into setting our life straight. We're into celebrating that all is well until the party stops. And when the party stops and things start to happen, when the doctor calls you up, and gives you unexpected news. When, uh, when the hospital calls and says that your son was just taken there uh, in a car accident. Or, or, you know, different things that happen in our life. And I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have gone through an experience that have caused you to completely rethink your life. And they've completely changed your outlook on life. And so that's why God says better is the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Because there man is reminded of his end. And so uh, some evangelical churches, they use the popularity of Halloween, the theme of Halloween, to come up with these haunted houses to walk you through and remind you that one day you're going to be sitting before God. That one day you're, we're all going to be judged. It's a, the Bible says it's appointed for every man to die once. And then judgment. And so that's the emphasis of some of these churches and, and kind of an interesting angle. Can you guys read that? Okay. It's kind of small for me, but as long as you can read it, it's okay. So some Christians are concerned that the modern celebration of Halloween trivializes its relationship to the occult, to paganism, to other uh, Practices that are incompatible with our beliefs. So we see Christianity has all these different views on Halloween, and it and it it um it spans the spectrum of it's a great idea, it's a fundraiser, everybody's having fun and the family's together and we're outdoors enjoying the weather, to the opposite extreme where it's incompatible with our beliefs. Um, some consider Halloween to be completely incompatible, not only because of the occult, but also because of its association with the festival of the dead. And we're going to get into some of these further. I'm just trying to show you that in Christianity, you can go to one church and they'll talk to you about Halloween and they'll view it one way. You can drive down, cross the street. Some streets have 122nd, 127 has like four churches on one corner on Bird Road. 
You could cross the street and get a different idea on Halloween, cross the other street and go down the road. And so tonight we want to deal with the fa that fact. We want to deal with the fact that Halloween is, um, is an important day to understand or it's an important, it's important to have understanding of Halloween and it's also very easy to be confused because we have many different people and many different perspectives on it. Let me see if I can um, summarize this last one. Many Christians ascribe no negative significance to Halloween. And we, we kind of already touched on that. It's a fun day to dress up like a ghost and hand out candy to kids. And there's no threat to the spiritual lives. Um, and it's a good way to remember our Celtic ancestors. I don't know if I have any Celtic ancestors, but... Some people do. Maybe some of you in here might be proud of your Celtic ancestors. All right. So which is it? Let's see some Halloween history. So we got all these perspectives, right? Now let's, let's, let's look at some of the history. I hope you like history because that's some of what we're going to see here tonight. This is going to be kind of like the history channel on Halloween. All right? The world-changing history channel. So we said, one of the things that we said was that some people consider Halloween to be completely incompatible with their faith because it's associated with the festival of the dead. So what is the festival of the dead? Festival of the dead is held by many cultures. The Buddhists celebrate the festival of the dead, honoring the deceased spirits. The Incas celebrate the festival of the dead. Um, and I didn't put the details of how they celebrate it, but they've got human sacrifices and blood sacrifices. And you've seen all the movies where they're, they're sacrificing the virgin and throwing them over the cliff. Um, the, uh, in the 21st century, we said that Europeans, they, uh, and in the United States, many people associate it with All Hallows' Eve and with All Saints' Day. Scholars are tracing modern holiday, the modern Mexican holiday of the Day of the Dead to an Aztec festival dedicated to the god, I'm not even, the goddess, and I'm not going to try to pronounce that. But, so, we see here how throughout the world, and we're going to keep seeing more of these, and you can kind of peek ahead. In Ecuador, the Day of the Head is observed, you know, uh, by some indigenous tribes, the Quechua. I think we've met some people in this church that that preach to the Quechuans. Um, in Korea, it's a major tradition. The, notice how in every culture, Halloween or, the, sorry, the Festival of the Dead, they're all non-Christian holidays associated with the dead spirits. Through, I mean, we're talking Korea, um, Peru, Mexico, all over the world. We're celebrating, now we, the world is celebrating the Day of the Dead on, um, on Halloween, on October 31st. In Nepal, Nepal, they celebrate uh, the Day of the Dead, the cows, the cows, okay? This is, what we're, this is what we're associating with. The cows lead the dead spirits to the next land. And depending on the local custom, it could be a real cow or it could be a fake cow. The festival is a time to dress up in costume. 
So we're just seeing a little bit of the history of why, why do we dress up on Halloween? Where did Halloween come from? And we see, we're seeing, that, we're seeing the history of Halloween as we go through these. One of the concerns, why might it be incompatible with Christianity? One of the concerns, and this is just one of them, is because it's associated throughout the world from its inception, from the beginning of Halloween celebration, it's been associated with pagan and um, idolatrous celebrations of the dead. Where, and in almost all of them, they dress up to either scare or entice and please evil spirits uh, and appease. Uh, let's see if we, we probably want to summarize this too. In many cultures, the Festival of the Dead, and I have a typo there, was held at the beginning of October, ended in November. Peruvians, Pacific Islanders, the Tonga Islands, the Persians, the ancient Egyptians, the Japanese, the ancient Romans, the northern nations of Europe, Hindus, all celebrate the Day of the Dead. All celebrate it at the end of October. It's a, I cut out there the fact that it's a three-day feast starting on October 31st. So this is, these are some of the origins of Halloween. Now what else did we read that I said we were going to get back to? In the Anglican church, we some church, these churches emphasize All Saints Day, All Hallows Eve. So let's get some more Halloween history. All Hallows Eve was introduced in 600, the year 609. But in the 9th century, and I think it was 835, the Catholic Church shifted All Saints Day to November, to November 1st. Remember, if All Saints Day is November 1st, All Hallows Eve or All Souls Eve is the night before, is October 31st. Did we put there that it's associated? No. Over time, Samhain, and I know it's, that word up there is pronounced Samhain. All, over time, Samhain and All Souls Day, or All Saints Day, was merged to create modern Halloween. So where did the modern concept of Halloween come from? First of all, the whole world was celebrating the festival of the dead. Well, I shouldn't say the whole world. Many cultures throughout the world were celebrating the festival of the dead. They would dress up in costumes like we do today. And they would sacrifice to these pagan gods. And they would sacrifice to these idols on Halloween. In the year, 600, in, in the year 609 or 609, the Catholic Church said, you know what? We need to remember our fallen. This was the way that this was described is this is almost like, not Labor Day, Veterans Day. All Saints Day was originally described as let's remember the martyrs. Let's set apart a day in the year where we remember all those who have fallen and gave their life for their faith. And so they instituted All Saints Day. But it didn't take long for people to start corrupting that concept and it went from being All Saints Day where we remember those who died for their faith to praying for people 
who were in purgatory, which is not in Scripture, but there, was, there is a teaching that some churches teach, which is not in the Bible, that there is a place between heaven and earth called purgatory. And these spirits died and they would hang out in purgatory until they paid their dues. If they weren't good enough for heaven and they weren't bad enough for hell, they went to this middle layer called purgatory and they had to hang out there till they paid their dues. And oh, by the way, they also had a chance to avenge themselves of their enemies, hunt their enemies who plagued them or who, who persecuted them when they were alive. So these were all the beliefs that were going on that were surrounding All Saints Day when All Saints Day uh, was first created in the year 609. In the year, in the 8th century, I think it was in the 9th century, which is 835, they took All Saints Day and they, and they brought it to be November 1st. Uh, November 1st, which made Hallow's Eve, All Hallow's Eve or Halloween, they made that to fall on October 31st. That was the same day that the, um, as that festival called Samhain. And that helped to create what we know today as the modern Halloween. The, the reason that it was brought forward, they have three theories. One theory, it was done because a pope decided to do it. All right, so it was celebrated in, six, it was celebrated in May they decided to bring it to October 31st. Some people say because the Pope was German and, and the Germans believe, or, or many of the Germans celebrated Samhain. Some people say because he was Celtic and the Celtics, pe Celtic people also celebrated Samhain. And we're going to explain what Samhain is next. But there was a pagan Celtic festival called Samhain that was celebrated um, throughout all the northern, the, the Scottish people, like the Bravehearts of, 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 you know, if you've seen the movie Braveheart, all those guys used to celebrate Samhain. And the German people also celebrated Samhain. So this, so the Pope that was in, in power at that time, or, 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 yeah, the Pope that was in power, decided to merge these two. Now he was part Celtic, he was German, and they also said, that it also, they also said that one theory was that um, during All Saints Day, there was a, you know, you know, the old Christians used to do pilgrimages. In the, in the traditional church, they would go to a city for a festival. And apparently in May, everybody would get sick and it would break out in plagues. And, I, and some people think maybe he did it because in October, um, it, you were less prone to getting sick because of the cold weather. So these, and you can just look this up on Wikipedia. This is all there. But I got all of this that I'm telling you, except the Bible verses from Wikipedia. So you can cross-check this. You can, you know, dig deeper. But this is where modern Halloween came from. Now, what is Samhain? Because here we're saying that we took All Saints Day, we merged it with Samhain, and we ended up with Halloween. So what is Samhain about? Samhain was a Scot uh, Gaelic um, festival. It was a Gaelic custom uh, up until the 19th century. So up until the 19th century, um, the people who celebrated Samhain were the Celts. 
since the later in the 20th century, it became associated with neo-pagans. So now it's not just the tradition of the Celts. Now the, the new people who they're not even Celtic, they have nothing to do, that has nothing to do with their tradition, but it's part of, a, it, because it's a pagan religion that the Wiccans and the, the neo-pagans could associate with, they started to celebrate Halloween on the same day on Samhain as a religious holiday. Um, neo-pagans in the southern hemisphere often celebrate it. Okay, I didn't, actually didn't catch that, but that's interesting. So here's where we see that Sa how, why Samhain is pronounced different than it's spelled. It's a festival marking the end of the harvest and the beginning of winter, the darker half of the year. Samhain is mentioned in the earliest Irish literature, and it has pre-Christian roots. Why are we reading this? I'm just trying to show you that throughout the world, Halloween or the festivals that became or that merged to what is now called Halloween were all from, a, from pagan cultures that celebrated the dead, that worshipped the dead, that, um, that wanted to reach out to the dead. It has nothing to do, not only has nothing to do with Christianity, you know, um, the family feud has nothing to do with Christianity, but the family feud isn't pagan, meaning there's a lot of things that have nothing to do with Christianity, but Halloween is something distinctly pagan, distinctly anti-Christ. I'm going to say that again. Why the big deal about Halloween? It's not that Halloween is not Christian. There are many things in this world that are not Christian. The Super Bowl is not Christian. There's many things, but this is something that throughout the world, for thousands of years, it's distinctly antichrist, distinctly, meaning it can be described. The one thing that it has in common throughout the world, or the few things, death, paganism, idolatry. Those are the things that describe Halloween before the church got involved. And then the church got involved and they decided to join the two the, the two festivals, and we don't even know why. There's a few theories. I, don't, I doubt anybody is going to spend. There's a few theories that are held by different scholars. So there's people that have actually studied this. You know, they got their PhD in Celtic, Gaelic Celtic history, right? What is that? I'm a doctor. Oh, really? What'd you study? I did my thesis in Gaelic Celtic history. So all these guys have been studying this for 12, 13, 14, 15 years. And they haven't been able to figure out where it came from. There's a bunch of different theories floating around. So I'm not going to find out what it is. And I doubt you will. If you ever find out, let me know. Maybe we can give you an honorary PhD. We don't know where it came from. We don't know why the Pope did what he did. But what we're hearing tonight is these are the facts that we do know. These are the facts that are, you know, if it's on the Internet, it must be true, right? These are the facts that are pretty much undisputed. It's always been pagan. It's always been idolatrous. And it's always been about the dead. Now, according to Wikipedia, 
the three main satanic holidays are your birthday. Did you know your birthday was a holiday? Your birthday is a holiday. The satanic Bible, uh, in Wikipedia, the satanic Bible, it, it's, it, it has this under the satanic Bible. Um, the three main holidays are your birthday, Halloween, and that other German word. Okay, I did this on purpose. First, I talked about the church. Well, you know, it's really not that big a deal, and we can, we, can, we can fill the church with people, and some people will come visit, and it's family time. Then we started talking. We went a little bit deeper, and we, said, we started talking about um, the Festival of the Dead. And we said, well, you know, some cultures, they, used to, they didn't really know God, so they used to worship these spirits. And then we went into the Wiccans, which these are Druids. These are like witches, okay? The word Wiccans come, the witches, the concept of witches, the concept of spells, the concept of, of uh, a, a lot of what we associate with Halloween comes from the Wiccans and the Druids, okay? These are the guys, the wizards and the witches and the warlocks and the spells and the magic. That's where a lot of this comes from. And these guys used to... This was the time, and I might have, I might have skipped that, that slide. This was the time where they felt that the, the barrier between the spirit world and the physical world was the thinnest. And so they thought that spirits could come across and, and um, either come and torment them or come and bless them. So what they would do, they would do all these, they would dress up and they would give out gifts, trick or treat was supposed to be, hey, give me something or I'm going to mess up your house. The, the trick what the, the trick or treat was the supposedly, yeah, egg your, nowadays it's egging your house. Supposedly the, trick, the, the treat was if you give, if you sacrifice to these spirits, when they come to your house, if you sacrifice to them, they'll leave you alone. If you don't sacrifice to them, well, you get a trick. You get, the, the spirits are going to curse you. They're going to do something. Over time, that became trick-or-treat. So when we send our kids out trick-or-treating, when you send your kids out trick-or-treating, because my kids aren't going, when you send your kids out trick-or-treating, this is where trick-or-treating came from. Pagan spirits crossing into our world to come haunt us and require sacrifices. And now, you know, now it's a joke, obviously. We, no, nobody, 99.9% .9 of people that celebrate Halloween, except for the people that we mentioned here, they don't think of it that way. But this is where it came from. This is what Halloween is about. And then we kept drilling down, so we went from the... We went from the average person that attends, you know, a church somewhere on Main Street, USA. Then we went to the, the, um, the indigenous tribes that are out in the, in the different, you know, the, the indigenous tribes that would worship their gods. Then we went to the Wiccans and the Druids and the Wizards. Now we're at the Satanic Bible. This is not good company people. 
the Satanic Bible has Halloween as the second most, um, the, the second most important holiday. Second only to your birthday. I'm not even going to get into that. You guys can, you know, look into that if you want to. This is what Halloween is. The second most important day in the Satanic Bible. The second most important day to devil worshipers. I'm not saying this. I'm not, I'm not saying, um, I'm not trying to hype this up. I, I copy-pasted this from Wikipedia. The Church of Satan. Does it, you guys don't believe it exists, but you can go to, the, you can go to Amazon and buy the, buy the Bible. You could probably, you could, it wouldn't be very wise. I don't recommend it. But you may not think the devil exists, but he has a church and he has followers and he has a Bible. And in that Bible, just like we believe and we celebrate Christmas, you want to talk about the two ends of the spectrum. We celebrate Christmas December 25th, right? And we have Christmas Eve on December 24th. These guys, Halloween is their number two day. What are we doing there? What does that have to do with the church of Christ? Remember, we, the, first verse we said, the first verse we read was, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Because you have forgotten my laws, I will also forget your children. So you might hear this and say, well, you know, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter. Uh, Halloween is this and it's that and it's innocent. I'm telling you what Halloween is and I'm only telling you what you can look up for yourself. The Bible says, because you rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. And so you may not like this because, you know, I'm just, you already paid for your costume this year. You may not like this because you got a really good party to go to. On, on, on Halloween. You may not like this because it's always been part of your fun, you know, part of your celebrations and your parties. You may not like it because now you got to tell your kids. And how do I explain to my kids? Well, this is a good start. You, I, I can just email you this one slide that says, did you know that the second most important holiday in the Satanic Bible there's a satanic Bible? Yeah, there's a satanic Bible. Did you know the second most important holiday in the satanic Bible is Halloween? And then after you tell that, ask them if they want to go out. And if they don't, then you got you know, you to keep talking to them. You got to work on them. I mean, if they do, if they still want to go. So we may not like this because now we got to make a decision. You know, I mean, all my life... This hasn't been a big deal. My life hasn't come to a crashing halt. My house is not haunted. I don't have, you know, goose, ghosts and goblins. Nobody's messing with my life just because I celebrated Halloween. I don't, I know that. I celebrated Halloween before I knew that it was the second most important day in satanic religion. And my life, I can't remember too many instances or issues that I could associate with this as, as consequences. I get that. What I'm telling you is Halloween is the things that we just heard. 
as a Christian, you have to decide why or if you're going to participate in the second most important holiday for, for the satanic church in a day that's for thousands of years has been associated with, um, with idolatry and, and, and evil spirits and the underworld. And so what does God say about this? Do not be, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. But, you know, all my friends are going to go to the party or, or all, my, my chill, all my nephews and nieces are going to go trick-or-treating together. It's tradition. We've done it for 20, for, well, not 20 years. Your kids will be pretty big by then. But we've done it for a long time. That's what they look forward to. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. That's harsh. Why would God? I don't think, I don't think that's God's. I don't think that's what God would do. Read your Bible. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. An inconvenient truth. I don't like to hear that. Me neither. But because you reject knowledge, I will reject you, God says. It says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And because they reject, because when the knowledge is put before them, Okay, here's the truth. Because we reject it, do not be bound together with unbelievers. God will reject you. You know what? I don't believe that. I don't think that's how God is. I think you guys are blowing it out of proportion. Well, possibly. Talk to the authors. Because all, all we're doing is reading what the Bible says. So you could take it up with the authors as to whether or not we're taking it, blowing it out of proportion. Because all he said was, if you reject knowledge, I'll reject you. He says, if you, because you forgot my law, I'm going to forget you. I'm going to forget your children. You will no longer be my people. Notice he said, I'm just reminding you of this, because the scripture is so rich that we hear it, and a lot of times we hear a verse we've heard a hundred times, and we don't catch the meaning and the, the depth of what's there. It says, my people perish it's not talking about non-christians my us us people we the people perish why for lack of knowledge we the people and by the way these verses are awesome to apply to anything that comes from the bible my people we perish because we reject, the Bible says that Christ was the light of the world. The light came to dwell with man, and man rejected it because his deeds were evil. In other words, even though the light comes into our life, many men reject it because they prefer evil. It's not that they don't know, 
It's that they make a conscious decision to reject what they're being confronted with because they prefer their evil deeds. They prefer to live in the reality that they knew before the light and before the truth was brought to them. What partnership? So then he says, why? Do not be bound together with unbelievers. Why? What partnership does righteousness have with unrighteousness or with lawlessness? What does God's people have to do with pagans? What do God's people have to do with idolaters, with devil worshipers? Let's suppose, I'm going to give you, I'm going to indulge you for five seconds, and let's pretend the devil doesn't exist. And it's, you know, because I believe in God, because I've always believed in God, but you know, this whole thing about the devil and the pitchfork, I don't know if I believe the devil, even though Jesus talks about him all the time, and Jesus actually directs himself. I'm going to give you, for five minutes, we're going to pretend that the devil doesn't exist. Even if the devil didn't exist, there are people who believe that he does. And his followers who believe in this devil that doesn't exist, their number one and their number two day is Halloween. What do we, what does righteousness have to do with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? Does anybody associate Halloween with light? Anybody. If you were to write a list of things that come to mind when you think about Halloween, does anybody think light? Does anybody say, let's do a haunted house? Honey, turn on all the lights. Let's go get those LEDs that are really bright. No. You turn off the lights. You hide in the dark. And then when no one expects it, boo, and you scare people. It's about fear. It's about death. It's about scaring. It's about darkness. What fellowship does light have with darkness? And I'm going somewhere. This is, we're, we're getting at something. What harmony, what harmony does Christ, in other words, how can these two mix? How can these two, get, how can these two get along? Harmony is about getting along. It's about notes that complement each other. It's about musicians that are able to play together and make something better. What light, what harmony does Christ have with Belial? You know who Belial is? It's using the Bible for the devil. I mean, if we just go back two slides, what, what harmony do Christians have with the church of Satan? So this is what Wikipedia, here's what we did. Copy, paste Wikipedia. Copy, paste the Bible, and let's just read through it. That's all we're doing here. So tonight, hopefully, this is doing two things. For some of you, it's giving you some background information, maybe for the first time, about Halloween. And for some of you, I know many Christians, they go to church, they have learned that we don't celebrate Halloween, but they're kind of uneasy about why. When somebody asks them, they kind of change the subject. Oh, yeah, you know, we got, the, I have church that night, so I really don't, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to make it to trick or treat, but hey, save me some candy. Because we don't know what to say. Partially, I mean, the Bible says, we lack knowledge. So all we did tonight, and you know, this is not really a high priority item for Christians, right? So I'm not blaming you for not researching it, because 
Halloween's like, okay, we don't do it. We kind of move on, right? I got plenty of other days to celebrate. But hopefully tonight you're getting a little bit of understanding that we don't just blindly say Halloween's of the devil. We're looking into some of the facts behind Halloween. These are the facts you can find. I didn't type in devil worship Halloween. I typed in Halloween. And this is what came out. And then they had some links, you know, Church of Satan. Let's go check this out. Um, the Celtic, the Gaelics, and let's go check this out. And let's, let me pull what I think is interesting here for the church that might give us some insight. So this is all information that's readily available. This is not let's grab, let's scour the earth. Let's go through everything I can find and pick out you know how they do in the news? If you watch Fox, they cut and edit the entire conversation so that they can put a sound bite that's two seconds. And then if you watch CNN, they edit, or let's go further, MSNBC, they edit the other half of the conversation. And then so you have the same guy saying, I will do this and I won't do this and I did this and I didn't do this. And then you can find, did you guys know, this is just comic relief, did you guys know that there was an internet rumor going around that Obama was, dad was Cuban? I don't know if any of you guys saw that. So we have people that are editing the news one way. We got people that are editing the news another way. And then in Miami, it's like a whole different news, news uh, story. Special news, special report. I'm serious. You can Google this is just for fun. Google Obama, Cuban father. Because, you know, his mom, some say she had something to do with communism, and uh, she was in Cuba around that time because of the Russians and blah, blah, blah. Just Google it. You'll have a good time. But the point is, we are not, what I'm trying to get at is, I'm not grabbing the facts, cutting out 90% of the story and presenting you with our angle. I encourage you to go research what I'm telling you. I can send you, the, if you want the PowerPoint later, I can send you the PowerPoint. I, give me your email. I'll send you the PowerPoint, and you can, you can you know, look up what I have on there on the Internet, and you can, you can dig in. This is, this, is the his, this is what we know about. This is what's known about Halloween. Um, so we said, what harmony does Christ have with Belial? Or what has a believer? So, so we gave all these kind of anal analogies. Um, what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? What, and that makes sense. And what fellowship does light have with darkness? Okay, you know, that's, that's pretty stark contrast. What harmony does Christ have with the devil? And then, just in case, because some of us get confused. So just in case some of us thought... You know, yeah, but what does it have to do with me? It, the last thing it says is, or what harmony has a believer, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. What do you have in common with them? I encourage you not to reject knowledge when it comes to you. Walking with Christ 
comes at a price. Because this is saying that I'm not to have anything in common with unbelievers. And to put it in context, the beginning, he's saying, do not be bound together. Do not be unequally yoked. Obviously, and we'll, read, we'll see these verses, we're in this world. We got to go to work. You know, we got to pay our bills. You might have a landlord that's not a Christian. But what he's talking about is do not be bound together. What do you have to do with them? Don't make ties. Don't make alliances with unbelievers is what the Bible's telling you. And again, to a large extent, these seem like inconvenient truths. We don't want to hear them because there's a price to pay. I encourage you to pay the price because God says, look, I'm bringing you knowledge. Don't reject it because it's not going to go well with you. So the Bible says we're supposed to be separate. Can you read that? Yeah. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Have you ever read that in the context of Halloween? I've never done it. What agreement does the temple of God, the church, have with idols? Who are the idols? Halloween was a festival, a season to worship these idols. For thousands of years it has been. What agreement has, do we have, does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the, who's, oh, by the way, when I said the temple of God, you know, some of you guys probably thought of a building. Because, you know, you think building, you think temple. Then it says, just in case you were thinking that, for we are the temple of the living God. So take that in for a second. You, this is what God says about you. You are the temple of the living God. What does that mean? Well, we got some verses that say what it means. But that means God lives in you. You think of temple and you think of a building. When he said temple, he knew that people thought of a building because you think a temple is where God lives or where people go to worship God. But it says, we, this right here, not the building, the people, we're the temple of the living God. What does that mean? That means God is supposed to live inside of you. That's what God calls us. Don't take this lightly. Don't reject the knowledge just because it's hard to swallow. We are the temple of the living God. You you need to understand this because this is the premise. This is the, the basis for why we're supposed to stay away from these things. You are the temple of the living God. God wants to dwell inside of you. And because God wants to dwell inside of you, he says, I will dwell in them. God, this is like kind of like a two-part message, right? One is Halloween, but the significance of staying away from Halloween is this. God wants to dwell in us. Who are we? We're the temple of the living God. God wants to dwell in us. And he wants to dwell in you. 
It says, I will walk among them. God wants to walk among us. Why do we take this seriously? Why are we so intense? There's so many churches that, you know, they're not so over the top. Are these people, you know, are they just a little overzealous? Well, I don't know. But it says, we are the temple of the living God. God is going to, God wants to live in us. He wants to walk among us. He will be our God and we will be his people. But remember, he said, I will reject my people if they reject my knowledge. So why do we take this so seriously? And I'm not talking about Halloween. I'm talking about why do we take our Christianity seriously? Because God wants to dwell in us. Because God wants to walk among us. Because God will, wants to be our God and us his people. And we, he will reject us if we don't take this seriously. Therefore, come out from among their midst and be separate. Again, the two-part message. We talked about Halloween. You'll see how this fits in. God says, come out from among them and be separate. Come out from their midst. Why? We just read why. I hope that this is, I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody right now. Come out from their midst and be separate. Why? Because I want to be their God. I want to walk among them. I want them to be my people. And so what does that mean? Therefore, he's saying, because I want to be your God, the consequence is you need to come out from among, among them. You have to. I'm not making this up. I'm not being overzealous. I'm reading. I will walk among them. I will be their people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate. God wants you to be separate. Separated. Far away. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you. You see, the, do you see the implied condition here? If you come out from among them, if you don't touch what is unclean, if you come from their midst and be separate, then... I will welcome you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. That's why we take this so seriously. Because of what God's word says. And because God's goodness, God's goodness came to our life and softened our heart. That when we heard the message, we didn't reject it. And it's only God. It's not because we're better or more righteous than the next guy. Billy Graham said it would, he preached to more people, possibly, you know, he preached to more people maybe than anyone else in the world, or definitely he's, he's in the top three. And he said it's a mystery how God's word comes and hardens the heart of some and melts the heart of others. The same word comes and hardens the heart. The Bible says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. So we want you to know that, yes, we take God seriously because of the understanding 
that we've received when we read God's word. And we don't think higher of ourselves, but we encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, show me your will. Show me where the balance is. Are you really... Just ask the Lord to show you what he wants from your life. And hopefully he's doing some of that tonight. A little more about who you are. You are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You guys know what holy means? It means separated for a purpose. Set apart you have been set apart for a purpose. Why? His own special people. <clears throat> that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is what God is calling us to. This is why we don't celebrate Halloween. This is why we walk with passion and with zeal for the Lord. This is why we're trying to find God's will and we're trying to do God's will with all our heart. Because God says he wants us to be his own special people. God called us out of darkness. We have no business going back to darkness. Not to play, not to dress up, not to have fun, not for one night, not to appease our friends. He said, be separate from them. Not sometimes. Be separate from them. You're a holy people, which means separated for me. Set apart for me. You were once not a people, but now it was understandable when we were not a people of God. But now you are a people of God. Who had, we hadn't obtained mercy. Again, we're no better than anybody else. The only difference is there was a time when we hadn't obtained mercy and there was a day when God showed up and we obtained mercy. And we're trying to, we were invited, we were confronted with the goodness of God and we were invited to participate. And that's, that's how we got to where we are now. But it required that we come out from among them and be separate. And that we be holy and that we touch no unclean thing. Don't play. Don't play with sin. Don't flirt and see where the line is. Don't play with darkness. Don't, don't, we call, sometimes we call it straddling the fence. I haven't decided to go this way or that way. God wants nothing to do with that. And God will reject us if we take that approach. Give yourself to God wholly, fully, 100% and don't play with the things of darkness. Don't play with the things of this world because God has called you to be separate. Let me check here. Only two more slides, guys. Hang in there. Living before the word, before the world. I beg you as sojourners, that means as travelers. Have you guys ever gone down US 27? There's nothing. Every time you're on US 27, I guarantee you, 
you're just a traveler. I'm just going through. Have you ever been, who wants to live in an airport terminal? It's not a place to live. Nobody lives there. If you're in an airport terminal, you're traveling. You're not staying. You're going. So you know what? You don't start to build a house. You don't start to, you know, I want to redecorate this airport terminal because you're just passing through. You're in and you're out. You're traveling. It says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims. Pilgrims are people who are going somewhere else. I'm here. We're all here, but I'm headed somewhere else. There's some people who are here and have no intention of going anywhere else. There's some people who are trying to figure out how to stay here as long as possible. But we're pilgrims. We're going some, we're here, but our mission, our mindset, and our heart are to go somewhere else. I beg you as pilgrims and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul and have your conduct honorable among the Gentiles so that when they speak of you as evildoers, by your good works, they will glorify God. And finally, what does God have to say about this? God speaks to some and says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world? Listen to this. He calls us adulterers. You thought I was, you thought I was going over the top? James says that, that Paul says, Adulter, I mean, that God says, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity towards God? This is, this is what the Bible says. And if we re remember what we said about rejecting knowledge, whoever therefore, why do I say that? Because this is tough. This is a tough pill to swallow. When this word first comes to your life, it's a very tough pill to swallow. Adulterers and adulteresses. That's like if you cheated on your wife, you cheated on your husband. How would you feel if your husband cheated on you or your wife cheated on you? That's how God feels. When? When we have friendship with the world. Friendship with the world is enmity. It means it puts you as an enemy towards God. He ranks that, he, he um, groups you, he puts you in the bucket uh, or in the list of the adulterers and the adulteresses. Friendship with the world is enmity towards God. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Really? Is this really how God feels? Or do you not think that the, do you think that the scripture says in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. God, the spirit that God has put in us, yearns jealously for us. God doesn't want to share you with this world. God doesn't want to share you with anything. He wants your heart to be with him and him alone. And friendship with the world, mixing with the world, Mixing light and darkness. He calls us adulterers and adulteresses when we 
when we get into that. And he says that he rejects us. When we reject the knowledge that he brings to our life. Amen. Pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. You know that um, these holidays never cease to amaze me, not because the world is in darkness and participating and dancing, but because the sons of light continue to straggle and get confused about what they're doing. But, but I, want to, I want to come from a vantage point that uh, for a long time, God has been um, excruciatingly dealing with a people of, of double-mindedness, and, and they're really always going astray. I want to go shortly, real quickly, so you understand the intensity of this. In 2 Kings chapter 10, there's a, verse 18, there's a guy named Jehu. Jehu was intense. He's the one that killed Jezebel, all right? He wasn't playing games. He's like off with their head. And so he throws a party on Halloween, okay? He says, come all the witches. You're going to see that I'm going to throw the biggest Halloween party. And when they, he had them all inside a room, he killed them all, okay? This guy was intense. This is like me, right? This is like real. He's like, let's get rid of all the people. But look, the most, look, he says like this. Ready? 2 Kings 10, 18. Then Jehu gathered all the people together and said to them, Ahab, a, a wicked king, served Baal a little bit. He served Baal a lot. But he says, that was nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Jehu will serve him much more. So he sent a personal invitation, a Halloween party, for everybody across town. Hey, you come here. And when they were all there, whoosh, he, he knocked their heads off. And he, he finished Baal worship in Israel. There was not one witch in all of Israel. This guy was intense. But I don't want to show you that. I want to show you how many Christians you think showed up at this party. How many you think? Watch this. This is God now. Ready? Here goes. Let's go over to verse 23. Same chapter. Then Jehud and Jonahab, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal, where they all were gathered, and said to the worshipers of Baal, Search and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy that at a Halloween party, there's going to be sons of the Lord in the middle of that debauchery. I mean, you guys don't have an idea what used to go on there. I mean, these were orgies. These were sick, twisted. They served the gods of fertility. The, the, the god of Baal was a, a sick, swapping wives. What was God's people doing there? Do you get like a knot in your stomach like I do? Like how gross that the devil would throw a party? And that the sons of God would show up? How many feel like pastor tonight? That's sick. That's me sick. 
And so they had to double check. And I hope that tonight was not only a night to focus on Halloween, but a night for us to refine ourselves even more. There, there are certain parties that they should not invite you to. And if they dare to invite you, you invite me and we're going to throw a Bible study. We're going to go there and we're going we're gonna to knock off some heads. We're going we're gonna to show up there with our Bibles and, and we will turn it into a nice Bible study. So you guys get encouraged because we're supposed to be warriors of the light. We're not supposed to be creepy little Christians running away from the world. No, 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 no. We're just saying that light prevails over darkness. And so there needs to be a distinction because if the light doesn't shine, then it's not light. If it just, it just camouflages into the darkness, nothing has happened to you. But when you start saying, you know something, the only ghost in this house is the Holy Ghost. How about that? That's a good one. Amen. And so we're, there's no witches. We don't, we don't like witches. There's no witches. Let's stand tonight. Good job, Pastor Palmer. Let's give a big hand to him. And God will start, he'll continue to clear.